Welcome, one and all, to a casual and creepy episode of Anime Was Not a Mistake. It's so spooky. So spooky, indeed, uh, because at the time of this recording, this will be the closest one recorded to Halloween. No matter when it gets to you, that will be the timeline. Yep. Yep. Um, but as always, I'm Dan Ryan, and despite what the tabloid said, I had no motive to kill Jonathan ten Halloweens ago, mm. so he would have no reason to haunt me from the hereafter. I just like to walk through an empty hallway moaning, that's all. And do you want to introduce yourself? Well, I'm Jonathan Kwiatkowski, <laughs> and you know, I had some scary ice cream last night. You could call it a real haunting of Turkey Hill House incident. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. You, know, right, you get that one. Once in a while. You get that I one. come up with good ones. Uh, Carlo Gugina. <laughs> she's, she's ageless. She's so beautiful. <laughs> um... But yeah, so as as we do every year, we're doing a little Halloween special. Yeah, for um, like a month ish. For a month, because I yeah. think our anime picks after this kind of coincide with a little bit scarier. I can confirm mine definitely My, does. Mine so. does, but in a different way. But yes, it is appropriate for a spooky season. Yeah, it's going to be the extended edition Halloween. We got like five or six weeks of uh, spooky stuff coming. Mm -hmm. um, but. Uh, before we get into today's main focus, which yeah. is, you've been guessing about for, for, for a number of it's weeks now. It's driving me mad! Um, do we have any anime, life, or video game news to discuss uh, before we get started? I think we have quite a few things. Yes. Um, the first off, why don't we start with one of the big ones? Mm -hmm. uh, one of the big ones for you, not me. Uh, Palladian Winds, take a breath. <laughs> you didn't see the new Palladian Winds episode? With the, the, the Pokemon. The, the 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 cat. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't. I thought you were saying palladium. Palladium is it palladium? Palladian. Oh yeah, Pal Paldean. Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, palladium is like a is a, a is a grant yeah. substance. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was absolutely gorgeous. We had a we had a terrestrialized Tauros mm -hmm. v uh, Scarda yep. fight, mm -hmm. and it was just. I, it makes me long for. Um, in anime where we would get that those type of fights like on like a regular basis that the regular the, yeah. the the mainstream pokemon anime at this point which is into horizons is also beautiful in its own right mm. we got that banger of an opening this past week yeah. that's taken the internet by storm um but they obviously don't do as many of those like flashier terrestrial battles and obviously cuz those are more expensive to animate mm -hmm. way more um but it was just interesting to see that animated because you don't expect them to be like not be stationary and to be running around and stuff like that, and it was just cool to see. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, very good animation for me. Um, I think they're doing consistent work with these little side projects they've mm -hmm. been making. Um, they're short. They're simple. They're sweet, and they're beautiful. Yes. That's all I can want from Pokemon. Some yeah. Substance for once. <laughs> and again, not to detract from the from Horizons because yeah. I I hope that everyone gives it a chance as it comes overseas or is, is staying apprised of it um, before it even gets dubbed. Mm. Uh, but they're doing interesting things. They have, like, an overarching story with Terrapagos, um, and they seem to be taking their time, but they got, like, a, a cast of goober villains mm -hmm. who all have their own, like, evil-looking mons, like your uh, Cyrilege and everything. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I do hope people check that out, too. Mm -hmm. And do anything? Um, well, in terms of anime news, mm -hmm. uh, last night I started Pluto. I need to watch it. I haven't had a chance yet. Which is like the spiritual successor slash follow-up slash alternate telling of, of Astro Boy. Mm -hmm. It's set in the Astro Boy universe. Um, and it's mainly focusing on kind of a 
Blade Runner-esque robot detective mm. who is trying to solve a series of, of homicides that include both human victims and prominent robot Sounds victims. Sounds right up our alley. And the first episode, it kind of opens on, you know, our, our, our main detective, and we spend a little bit of time with him. We get the gist of the cases that he's looking into, and then we go into the first victim that we are going to see, you know, Murdered. You know, murdered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we spend almost the entire episode with them. It is a beautifully built up, like, reflection on art and what makes us human. Ooh, what makes, that. like, yeah. how, how. I love we, when you feel things when watching anime. What's the nature of, like, dreaming? And, mm-hmm. and you know, mm-hmm. does that apply to robots Ooh, also? And it sounds like something I might need to check out. It, it just reminded me of. I, I don't even. I had, like, the Ratatouille food critic moment when I was watching it, because it was just like, this is beautiful, this is yeah. this is art as yeah. anime, and uh, I, I'm i very excited to keep going into it. It was a little too late to keep going with it last How night. How many episodes is it, do you know? I believe eight. Okay. So, 30 minutes? E- uh, this first episode was an hour, okay. but... It might have just been that it had a lot more to introduce, so I'm not mm-hmm. sure how the others pan out. I would assume like I'll definitely, 45 minutes. I'll definitely check it out then, because it sounds like something that we would both enjoy. Yes. Um, yeah. More cerebral anime, and you know we love... Um, uh, Tezuma's Astro Boys? Tezuka, yeah. Tezuka, sorry, yeah. I always say Tezuma. Tezuka, and I'm a fan of their work as well. Of course. Mm. And, it, and it definitely, I think, embodies that very nicely. Like, mm-hmm. it's a very, um, I don't know, like, thought-provoking... Because Tezuka always did that. Like, even if Astro Boy looked, you know, more Disney-esque sometimes, it was always dead serious with the stuff that, like, Mm -hmm. those topics that The lofty themes, yeah. So, it's carrying that on Like I said, I've been searching for one. They haven't re-released it. It's kind of hard to find for um, Tezuka, but it's not out yet. But Mm -hmm. definitely thinking about bringing that to the podcast whenever that comes. Of course. Or I can find a nice spot to put it in. Mm -hmm. Um... Shall I talk about some theater? Go for it. All right. So I ta- saw two shows yesterday, both Stephen Sondheim's, which you know is mm-hmm. a musical genius, uh, recently passed, the greatest composer that the American Songbook has ever seen before. Near and um, dear to your heart. Yeah. Yes, near and dear. Um, the first, I guess I'll start with, is the one that is getting a lot of praise right now. It is a revival of a show by the name of Merrily We Roll Along, mm-hmm. starring Jonathan Groff, Daniel Radcliffe, and Lindsay Mendez. Um, Daniel Radcliffe, as you know, from HP fame and such, mm-hmm. um, but also a song and dance man. He's been in a few Broadway revivals and quite successful at it. Um, the cast is iconic. This musical, before it was uh, revived, only lasted 15 performances on Broadway. Oh, wow. But uh, um, the director, Maria Friedman, who is a, an actor, she's in a lot of different things too, actually readapted this and has made it something new and magical in the theater. It's the second highest ticket price that I've ever paid for a show right behind Cabaret coming in May. Mm -hmm. Um, And we think that these two shows are going to be head-to-head against one another when it comes to most of the awards for the revival category. That would make sense. So it'll be good for me to compare and contrast. I loved it. Um, It's not a Sondheim that I'm super familiar with. I do know the songs. I know the basic plot. Essentially, it's about three friends... Um, one sells, kind of sells out Insane Clown Posse style. He is a composer. Mm -hmm. Um, he goes from theater and sells out more to film and television Mm -hmm. and kind of displaces his other two friends who have grown up doing similar jobs alongside him. One of them's a lyric writer. One of them's just a plain writer. Mm -hmm. Um, and then it's interesting because it's told in reverse. 
it shows these friends kind of breaking up at the end of their their apex of their journey. One's like an alcoholic. They're trying to get back together. They 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 just like they don't really talk to each other anymore. But then it devolves into seeing how these people have played out their lives, and then the musical ends with them as like young people staring at the stars, saying like their potential's endless. And that does sound a little bittersweet, and mm-hmm. it is. Um, it's a downer or upper depending on the way you look at it, but mm-hmm. that's constant Sondheim musicals for you. Um, it does make you think about artist integrity. Um, would you bring along the people that helped you in your past in your success? Mm-hmm. Why or why not? Um, there's a lot of infidelity inf- issues there with like, um, one of them being in love with the other one in the, the trio, but mm-hmm. never confessing her feelings to him. And the other guy getting married and that helping um, propel his way further into stardom. It's just very interesting. And I think we have to do more like, not movie adaptations of this. Although I think Richard Linklater is doing a movie adaptation of this. The guy who did Boyhood, I think. Okay. Uh, and yeah, it's going to be interesting. And yeah. it's taking 20 years to film because he's using like the actors as they age. So we have like Benjamin Platt. Um, Beanie Feldstein, and then Paul, who's after Sun Guy? Oh, it's gonna bother me. Paul Mesk- Mezkel? Mezkel? Mezkel, yeah. Yeah. The one that, the, yeah. Who's getting the, all yeah. the, the recent praise for After Sun and all yeah. that, who, yeah. who is great, also a theater actor, but that'll be very interesting if it does come to fruition, seeing the actors actually age along with their characters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If Without that, if, any effects or anything. If they can pull that off, mm-hmm. and if you can pull that off with a more structured story than what Boyhood had, yeah. that would probably be pretty yeah. phenomenal to see. Because I think I know that was, I remember that being the issue with Boyhood, was that it was technically an achievement, but the story at the core of it wasn't anything special. But mm-hmm. if this is adapting an existing story, yeah. then yeah. there's a better chance and of that working. I think this musical success is definitely going to make that go a little bit better because mm-hmm. um, it's getting nothing but praise on Broadway. Like, mm-hmm. everyone is flocking to see it. Like I said, $500 a ticket for just a normal seat. I got them in advance, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so don't worry so much about that price. But uh, it was a, a wonderful night in the theater. Mm-hmm. And then prior to that, at the 1am, just opened uh, at this new crazy theater place called The Shed that's downtown by the Oculus, that, like, artist installation that uh, was on Project One Way and stuff that you walk up. Um, it, it's a show by the name of Here We Are, mm-hmm. Stephen Sondheim's last work with David Ives. Um, he died during Act One before it was finished in this, um, but it was published after his death posthumously, uh-huh. and I thoroughly enjoyed it. It had like a crop of people in it, including uh, Michaela Diamonds. We had uh, David Hyde Pierce. We had Dennis oh. O'Hare. A lot of people there, and they were on full force. I could see how it's not everyone's cup of tea, because it is Sondheim and Ives adapting two movies from, let me just get the director's name up here, Louis Bunnell, mm-hmm. who I've heard of before, um, mainly for the second act story, which is based around a, a, a movie called Exterminating Angel, or The Exterminating Angel. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the first act is based on like the petty lives of the bourgeois or something like that. So, structure is, first act is a musical. Mm-hmm. Like, campy songs, it's about uh, these uh, seven or so character archetypes archetypes getting together and trying to just get brunch. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, different things about class stature or class commentary, race commentary, and just done humorously through song. Mm-hmm. But then the gears shift and we switch to, like, the second act, which is a solid dramatic play mm-hmm. <laughs> based on the Exterminate Angel. It's kind of... Um, 
very uh, absurdist in that these people are locked into the room, like the same characters we saw from Act 1, into a room that they cannot leave. Mm-hmm. So they are like confronting each other about religion, politics, uh, society structure, and it's absurdist. There's like a dancing bear at one point. It just made me want to bring that movie onto this podcast for Good Movie Podcast because I haven't seen it. I've mm-hmm. heard of it. I've been interested. And Criterion has a whole collection of this uh, director's work. So I will be checking it out. And usually when Sondheim adapts a movie a la Little Night Music and Smells of a Summer Night by Bergman, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I did just the same with this. Yeah. It, I, it's extremely surreal. Uh, like, it's hard to explain, but it was a, a great show. I also wouldn't mind seeing that movie if you yeah. intend to bring it in yeah. the future, because that does sound like a very mm-hmm. interesting premise. Yes. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, like a Twilight very Zone. Pa- yes, yeah. yes. It was like, first act was twi- um, Looney Tunes, second act was Twilight Zone, is what a lot of the people in the reviews say. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a great combination. The audience was digging it. It was just a love letter to see Sondheim's final show. Off-Broadway, potentially transferring, but I don't know if it will. Mm-hmm. And it was just a success for me. So it felt like he went out on a good note. Mm-hmm. for me and i'm very happy and he was working up till the end like it was sudden like no I mean, he course, was old yeah. but like, yeah, i remember yeah. you yeah. discussing that yeah but no one really predicted that so yeah love you sondheim <laughs> yeah mm. well and you you mentioned looney tunes at the end there we're yeah. getting a 2d animated looney tunes movie <laughs> they're back in action uh we're getting like i think it was like the looney tunes in the day the earth blew up yeah but it's notably well we will be going to the theaters for that we one. are going to the theater for that and <laughs> in it, costume i think it's the first 2d animated film we've gotten in a long time we won't go too into it because obviously everything's yeah. still on strike yep, yep, yep. but 2d animation mm. got it don't let it die. Yeah. Please don't let it die. Yeah. So, yeah. And in anime, just today I was granted another gift. We got another Madoka trailer. Oh, with, yeah. With Madoka's redesign and the announcing that the movie will come out in 2024. Okay. So I shall be waiting. Yeah, patiently. I'm breath. Yeah. Oh, I'm ready, Dan. Um, shall we transfer then into video games? Oh, man. Um, we, we had quite a few. You had quite a few. I only have one that I'm trying to... I didn't get to play. Only one. I had one sitting of it, but a very long sitting with it. No, oh, and you've enjoyed it. Yes, yes, um, thoroughly. So, I mean, we can do that one yeah. first, if yeah, you wish. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Super Mario Wonder. What a know. wonder it is. It is. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's exactly what we'd want, as we've discussed during the reveal. Um, character animations are fluid. It's charming. Uh, the new Wonder Flower thing that, like, changes the levels up is great and mm-hmm. unique, and it keeps me wanting to come back. I know that the internet is obsessed with the Piranha Plant second level, as am I, and I know yeah. there's more to come. I saw an opera-based one with my favorite Mario character, the Boo, mm-hmm. so I think that's going to go down in history as, like, my favorite 2D Mario level. Yeah, I, <laughs> I'm also still very early in it because I've been distracted by other games. Yes. I'm only in World 3. I just completed World 2 completely. I don't think I'm even out of 2 yet. Oh. I'm digging my time. Wow. I'm, I might actually attempt to 100% it if mm-hmm. I can, but yeah, it, yeah. It, it, uh, it it is just like the level of care that is put into this game is, is just insanity. Yeah, and it wasn't revealed that long ago. Yeah, it, it, this feels like what would be like a... I don't a, even want to call it launch. like a magnum opus, well, but like it yeah. would be like a launch, yeah, yeah, a launch title, exactly. Yeah, and like many this would people be... think that the 3D Mario might be another launch, like we might get an Odyssey 2. Which would make sense. because, yeah. uh, I mean, Odyssey is still my favorite out of all of them, because Odyssey did something to me that no Mario game has ever done to me before. Yeah. Um, but this is a great, like, alternative 
um, uh, a reunion with a 2D side-scroller Mario. Yeah, I, I do agree about Odyssey. I, I think that, you know, for the sake of, like, memes, mm-hmm. Sunshine is a favorite. Oh, yeah, well, Sunshine, but, yeah, that's in a different class of its own. But if, like, if we could, you know, like, maybe the weirder world-building of the 90s or 2000s Mario with, like, how Odyssey was structured and played, mm. you know, I wouldn't mind something like that. No, but of it was not. But, but Wonder was just... The art direction is fantastic. Like you said, the animations are all there. Mm-hmm. Everyone has, like, a unique little thing they do when they enter pipes. There's, yeah. like, a all these expressions and, and extra voice effects and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, even... I'll say it. I'm a fan of the talking flowers. I don't get how they're so annoying. Yeah, they're not Reddit. They're, they're <laughs> like, they're funny. Like, yeah. they... And they get, like, destroyed and blown away and yeah, stuff. People and people complain like they... about that. I'm like, yeah, I'll find something else. But even, uh, you know, even uh, Donkey on YouTube <laughs> pointed out that that singing piranha plant level is like world is, is level two. Yeah. So you right away, they are just showing you what they got. Mm-hmm. And every single level has another weird thing mm-hmm. that is completely unique to it to be discovered. Yeah. Like, you don't know, there is no, like, I'm, okay, I'm gonna sit down, I'm gonna play a standard Mario level. Yeah, they'll it's, use, it's like they'll a... reuse them once in a while. Yeah. Like, similar gimmicks, but in different ways. Mm-hmm. And I haven't seen one that's, like, exactly the same. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then you get badges, which changes up how you play. All the other characters play the same, basically. Like, yeah. you know, which I, I enjoy that, that you could play as anyone. Uh, currently, it's Super Peach Wonder for me. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, well, I I mostly stick. I, I do st- Peach or Luigi, the classics. Yeah, I, I know s- you're a Mario man. I do. Yeah, yeah. maybe I, Yoshi. I, I stick if you're to, feeling frisky. I stick to Mario and Yellow Toad. Oh, ooh. and sometimes Daisy. <laughs> Piss Toad? No, I'm just kidding. Yellow Toad, uh, classic. Yeah, but uh, and, and sometimes Daisy. But sometimes Daisy. Sometimes Daisy. Mm. But yeah, I do stick with Mario to keep mm. it canon. Yeah. Um. No, great game. Yeah, wonderful game. But Should that's I- not the only wonderful game. Should I talk about a more controversial game? Yeah, sure. Uh, why not? Uh, uh, Sonic Superstars oh, came I out. I haven't even played it yet. And I tried it. I'm enjoying it. Is it um, bad? I don't think it's bad. Oh. I think it's fine. I haven't heard any of the controversy around it. I don't know why people are so upset. I. It just feels like it, because it's not mania, but it's it it's still Sonic. It's yeah. still I like think the a, controversy is the online maybe right maybe yeah. I I don't I don't I haven't I've only seen people. But then again, have they ever played Switch Online before? <laughs> Probably not. But it's not. I. It's not. It was on the other consoles too. Mm. Um, but I've been enjoying it for the most part. Yeah. It's. It's. You know. You got Tails, Knuckles, and Amy joining along. They play mm-hmm. slightly different mm-hmm. to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, the on the co op apparently does suck insofar as <laughs> mm-hmm. it's not like optimized to handle two players at the same yeah, time at the breakneck speeds of a sonic game which is a problem that's always yeah been in that franchise um but it, it, like i the discourse always seems to be that it's not mania because obviously they <laughs> but it's not mania to again. our I, I mean i i guess to collective despair they let go the people who did mania or they stopped working with them after they did that one game mm. um and I guess folks would still really like, you know, that type of Sonic gameplay to come back, which was very much embodying, like, Sonic 2. Mm-hmm. Um, but Mania by itself is... Uh, oh, Mania. Superstars by <laughs> itself, I think, is 
is fine. It's yeah. it's like uh, yeah, it's got the the OG like all the cute classic designs in there. Mm-hmm. It it kind of you know gives you more incentive to collect all the chaos emeralds because mm-hmm. it gives you like little like abilities. Superpowers, yeah. Um, but I've made the least amount of progress in that one because of Mario mm. and my next game. Mm. Um, but I we we always welcome more classic Sonic. Yeah. Frontiers has been. Mm. I've played front. I've <laughs> been playing Frontiers. I still dip back into that eventually, and it's like if there could just be some combination of Frontiers gameplay in a classic, colorful <laughs> Sonic realm. They're wishing for too much, then. I'd be okay with that. Yeah. But separately, no. But mm. you know, it is what it is. Mm. Um, but then I arrive at Spider-Man Two. Mm. Which I've been loving. Yeah, I've been playing. The world's been loving it. The, the most uh, of any game recently. I love that NPC dialogue. They have whole lives they're living there. They do. Yeah. <laughs> and there's so many little unique high fives and stuff you can do with Spider-Man on the, uh, you know, when you greet people on mm. the street and it... slap an ass. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like a. I just love how the characters are adapted for this one. Mm. There's obviously... I would say that so far the plot of this one is a lot more goober okay. than the previous one. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's, there's uh, you know, spoilers. Uh, Harry Osborn is, is back in the plot. Mm-hmm. And he has set up a little think tank um, filled with scientists <laughs> with hyper-specific interests. Mm-hmm. Like, one lady wants to defend the bees at any cost, and she's... <laughs> Developed little laser bees to, to, to serve that purpose, and I'm like, wow, anti bee propaganda. In in you know in comic book land, you don't want to put a bunch of scientists with no uh, you know Speci- a lot of anger. <laughs> what is it specified interest? Your Roman Empire? Yeah, <laughs> what they like, want to discuss? <laughs> who all have their own Roman empires? Yeah. You don't want to give yeah. them unlimited funding and put yeah, them. You don't want to give Jonathan room to talk about Suspiria. <laughs> <laughs> but but so far that has been subverted because nothing has happened with that so far. But I'm like, mm, you know, I, I a big bees coming. I kind of like how in the setting of this video game, you have like Peter and Miles, and all of their rogues gallery is either established or in the process of becoming. Is it established. like two different campaigns or it, the campaigns are mainly Peter is you know, stressed by life, as Peter often is, <laughs> and Harry comes back into his life, and it's like, okay, he finally has, like, one of his friends back, uh, but he is being targeted by Craven the Hunter, who mm. is portrayed rather awesomely in this game. One of one of my favorite portrayals of him so far. Um, and it's about him kind of dealing with his, you know, the stresses of life, and still processing the grief of losing Aunt May in the previous game. Mm. Um... And obviously we get into the symbiote suit, which mm-hmm. lets Peter be a dick for a little bit, which mm-hmm. is always fun. Yeah. Because uh, it's never, it's always like Shadow the Hedgehog. That's why I liked Ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah, he's not, yeah. he's not like evil, but he gets to be like edgy <laughs> for a little bit. And it's not the sexified Venom Venom, right? Yeah. yeah. So it, it, 18 it's, inches of Venom. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I haven't even gotten to Venom yet, but uh, I'm still in the symbiote phase. Mm. And then Miles is kind of... Uh, Without spoiling too much, some events, you know, we get a continuation of some events from the first game, and Miles is dealing with, like, does he take revenge? 
he has to, like, you know, he feels like he has to get revenge because he has to protect all of, you know, the people around him. Mm. And obviously, while Peter is occupied with his plotline, he's not really there to, to mentor or guide Miles through his stuff. Mm. So it, it's kind of like, I'm assuming these two goobs are gonna are gonna branch and then they're gonna have to come back together yes, by the... Yes. I'm assuming. Yeah. But, but they do have very different like side quests that you can do like like peter has stuff related to harry osborne's little company like mm -hmm. science experiments mm -hmm. and then miles has like um things related to the fact that his uncle is the prowler so you got to do these little hacking missions mm -hmm. um there was this whole subplot where miles helps reopen a cultural museum mm -hmm. like he helps retrieve these like jazz instruments that were stolen by someone who was trying to like <laughs> gentrify the neighborhood why i don't <laughs> the know the gentrifier <laughs> and and uh, you get like you get like a jazz suit with a fedora for Miles. Yeah. Um, cause, again, and that another fun part yeah, of it is unlocking all the costumes. Yeah, I, that's the only thing I checked out is everyone's costumes. But they do both have access to very like unique, different things. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm thoroughly loving it so far. Mm. It, it's like the the main complaint I've seen from people is that apparently when you finish the campaign. There is almost nothing left to do oh, except they, finish collecting. They've never played a Pokemon game before, then. Obviously. Uh, <laughs> We're used to that. <laughs> but a lot of people assume that DLC yeah, is coming because yeah. there's, you know, there's room for that. Mm -hmm. But we'll, we will wait and see. But I'm, I'm loving it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we'll see what, uh, see yeah. what happens next with it. Yeah. Um, one final video game-related question for mm -hmm. you, Dan. As you know, it's Splatween. <laughs> <laughs> oh okay it recurs once every year, <laughs> once mm -hmm. every year with a spooky theme over yes. the the main plaza and splatoon 3 has outdone itself when you go into battles there's like a grainy film filter on thing there's a witch's laugh that sounds like chickens according to macabrera and i <laughs> said chickens are scary matt maybe that is that uh -huh. um you know there's new sound effects new costumes for everyone um, but what's most important, of course, is the question up for debate this time. Okay. And I need you to answer said question, as we often do, so I can judge you accordingly. So, this week's question, this Splatfest, is which would be the best friend? Mm -hmm. Which would be the best friend? Zombie? Skeleton? Or ghost? <laughs> Gut instinct, I'm saying ghost. Mm. I love too many forms of media where... Including this one today, yeah, where oh, ghosts there's are ghosts involved, is there? Hmm, interesting. So I gotta pick ghost, and congratulations, we all picked ghost. Okay, yeah, for once <laughs> for we once. came <laughs> to an agreement, and everyone picked ghost. We didn't even speak on it. We all said ghost, ghost, ghost. And we went, ah, yeah. good. Yeah. I feel like a zombie would be high maintenance, yeah. and skeletons have been done. Well, so I, we already um, have a few friends that are skeletons, and look at them. <laughs> yes, uh, so you know, yeah, no, ghost is. Ghost is the easy answer there. So hopefully we will win. The updates do not come out. Stay tuned till next week to see mm. if I'm pissed or happy. Of course. So I can win maybe my second Splatfest of are, all time. Are the, is the public sentiment leaning towards? Mostly Ghost, but Skeleton is doing the best in the battles so well, far. Well, I feel like Skeleton yeah. has the most meme power behind it. Oh, there so was we'll a lot see. of join the Skeleton army. Yeah. Started the Skeleton war. Yeah. So they have that Ain't no bones them. about it. Yeah. 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 So we did get a few we'll booberry what... arts though. <laughs> <laughs> and that's always yeah. a joy. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll get Carlo Gogin. <laughs> <laughs> well, she would always win any splatfest. Yes, that's true. No it would just be team Carlo Gogin. <laughs> um 
But yeah. that That's all I got, Dan. I have um, something, not a request, but just mm-hmm. something we can put into the ether for mm-hmm. you to think on. Okay. Um, uh, like I said, like I think one of the previous episodes, we were going to have our DLC chapters in the distant future. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, give me an excuse to draw more art and more characters and more stories set up and everything for those two extra regions Mm -hmm. um but obviously we did promise we're not abandoning the west indies that little chain of islands is still there and my uh request to you is Mm -hmm. is you know think on what purpose we could serve like that could serve there Mm. it'll obviously be post-game very similar to the sevi islands um, cause I've been playing an old fire red save file recently and I gotta do an island chain. Yeah. It's, it's required. Um, you know, so, so thoughts range from the Hoenmons could be there, Alolamons could be there. Mm-hmm. It could provide some portion of the decks. Uh, it could be like a training ground for the, you know, gym leaders and elite four mm-hmm. kind of giving you incentive to, explore it it'll have a few towns probably Mm -hmm. obviously representing the different countries that are there uh but it will be post-game just think on what function it could serve and if we want to maybe like stick a new legendary there similar to like stark mountain and heatran back in diamond and pearl yeah because i think functionally it would you know it would be similar to that chunk of land in Sinnoh. Mm. so uh, think on that. I shall. And that's, that is my only request today. I will dwell. But, uh, today, on Anime Was Not a Mistake, obviously we have promised a cut, like, multiple weeks of horror. Yeah. Why am I strapped to this chair? We are... <laughs> oh, it's because I like it. God, you get you to pay attention somehow. <laughs> so, uh, we are starting with, uh, two horror movies of our own choosing. Yes. Um, you have been guessing what, uh, but what mine is. Yeah, you gave me the clue... What's your number? What's your number? Not the Anna Ferris movie, where they're all terrible <laughs> The House <people>. Bunny? <laughs> yeah. No, what's your number? I never... You never heard of what... No. That's a horror in and of itself. Yeah, but, I've never... Uh, nope, Chris sorry. Evans, early Chris Evans was in that. Nope. Um, <laughs> but we are not watching that. What are we watching, Dan? In actuality... What could it be? We are watching a personal, all-time favorite of mine, The Frighteners. I've never heard of this before. Fuck yes. <laughs> I am so happy you have never heard of this. Nope. I wanted it's this gone to gone over be... my head. How is it tangentially related? What does it have to do with numbers? I don't know. I'll get into it. Huh? I'll get into oh, it. Oh, well... And to do that, I'm going to roll out the drawing board. Mm. Uh, and today's drawing board is Freelance Exorcist Edition. Oh, boy. He looks mostly like an average drawing board, but he's equipped with, like, an uh, an EVP reader, uh, you know, some other gizmos and gadgets to detect ghosts. Mm. But I get the sense that he's not really a professional at this. He could be faking it. I don't know. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. So, The Frighteners... <laughs> Uh, is a 1996 supernatural comedy horror film directed by none other than Peter Jackson. Oh, of course. Uh, who would go on to direct a little trilogy of indie films uh, called Lord of the Rings. Yes, I'm well aware. Uh, the film focuses on Frank Bannister, played by the great Michael J. Fox, mm-hmm. a former architect who now cons rich people as a freelance exorcist. In actuality, Bannister gained the ability to interact with ghosts after a tragic accident. 
he enlists a team of benevolent ghosts to <laughs> quote-unquote haunt his prospective clients and then makes off with the cash oh, after I solving see. the problem yeah. for them. Very ghost whisperer of him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bannister is content merely running his scam until his hometown is gripped by a series of supernatural murders. And then who are you going to call? Well, no one. Bannister, just I guess. Bannister. Yeah, yeah. Um, with the killer appearing to be the Grim Reaper itself. Mm. Uh, in a creepy connection to Bannister's past, each victim is found with a number carved onto their forehead. Oh. So what could that mean? Uh, <laughs> I'm sure we'll find out. The film was first conceived by Peter Jackson and his co-writer Fran Walsh while the pair was working on Jackson's previous movie, Heavenly Creatures. Um, I've never seen Heavenly Creatures, but here's a little bit of background on that. That film focuses on two young girls escaping their gloomy, everyday lives by creating a shared fantasy realm a la Bridge to Terabithia. Uh, so this demonstrated Jackson's aptitude for directing and using visual effects, uh, and it, it impressed a lot of people. Even if you haven't heard of it, mm -hmm. it, it seemed to take the technical side of Hollywood by storm when it came out. Uh, so much so that Danny Elfman, a famous composer who's, I think, done a few movies that we've watched here uh, previously, course, yeah. actually offered to score Jackson's next move, next film uh, without even having to hear wow. a pitch for wow. it. So he's like, whatever movie it is you're <laughs> making next, I want to be a part of it. Uh, so, and then it ended up being The Frighteners. A very dangerous move to potentially make. Well, yeah, but yeah. it ended up working out. Mm. Uh, the Frighteners was originally going to be a Tales from the Crypt movie. We okay. all remember the Crypt. Right. We Stephen, love the Crypt. Stephen Keeper. King, along, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but the producers felt that the story was, uh, you know, strong enough to stand on its own as just a regular film. Mm -hmm. Uh, the film was slated for a Halloween 1996 release, but Universal was so impressed with the rough cut that it was moved forward to July of that year for some mm, reason. I don't know about that. Uh, this was against the express, express wishes of Peter Jackson. Because it's um, supposed to be a Halloween movie. It is. Spooky. Uh, and that, you know... It, there's no, God, there's gotta, no Halloween in July. Gotta save him. Halloween in July. <laughs> Can't do that. Uh, unfortunately, the new July 19th release date put the film in theaters less, less than three weeks after the box office juggernaut Independence Day, oh. which was not slowing down anytime yeah. soon, yeah. and coincided with the start of the Atlanta Summer Olympic Games. So everyone was at home watching TV. Uh, and anyone who was at the theater was seeing Independence Day. Mm -hmm. As a result, the movie was a flop, and Jackson has kind of I credited see. that with, with why it was a, a box office bomb. Mm. Robert Zemeckis and Tim Burton, mm. other faves of ours. Mm, depending uh, on the movie with Zemeckis. Depending on <laughs> yeah. the movie. Hey. Some, well, when he's great, he's great, but when he's bad, he's bad. Don't make me bring Polar <laughs> Express to this. Hey, I'll uh, bring Death Becomes Her, and we can have a little one-off. Hey, that'd be fine. Yeah. Uh, Zemeckis ultimately bowed out because he felt Jackson and Walsh should be the ones in charge of telling this story. Uh, but he remained on as an executive producer and funded a lot of it mm -hmm. alongside Universal. Uh, the visual effects were done by Peter Jackson's own now famous Weta Digital uh, in New Zealand. Mm. Um, the Frighteners required more digital effects shots than any other movie made up until that point, mm. resulting in a very stressful 18-month production process for Weta Digital. This was intentional on Jackson's part, however, because he wanted to prove that New Zealand could create movies on the same tier as a Hollywood studio. Mm. Um because at, at numerous points, Universal offered, like, hey, what if we 
take some of these effect yeah. shots and and you know and import them to us or whatever. Yeah, yeah and we'll take them here or send them to another country. Mm-hmm. And they're like Jackson's like, no, I want to show that we can do this here. Um, despite losing money at the box office, The Frightener has received positive reviews from critics and is now considered a cult classic. Hmm. Studios were impressed that Peter Jackson and Weta Digital were able to create such an effects-heavy movie on a budget of only $26 million. Uh, Peter Jackson thus became the leading contender to make a Lord of the Rings film hmm. because studios were now convinced that he could make a trilogy on a perfect budget-to-scale ratio. Hmm. So this was... This kind of planted the Without seeds this, of Lord we might of not have gotten Lord some of, of your classiques, Dan. Um, the film's iconic Grim Reaper character was the most <laughs> challenging figure for Weta to create. Oh, I hope it's Carla Gogino. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, sadly. Oh. Um, the team considered having the character portrayed with a rod puppet, which would be suspended. <laughs> what? Love that. It should have been that. Well, we all love puppets yeah, yeah. here. Uh, well, no, you're notoriously afraid of puppets. You well, not now. Now yeah. I see that they're a sign of good filmmaking. Young me was terrified we'll of them. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it, and it would have... This puppet, in theory, obviously, it would have been the structure with a flowy robe on it, and it mm-hmm. would have been filmed through a tank of water. Yeah, very so Christmas... Uh, Muppets Christmas Carol. Yes, yeah. it would... It was exactly yeah. like that. Frank Oz production. Yep. Um, and it was also considered, to, you know... Also, some scenes... Um, in the original cut, were shot using a suit actor. I think these were shown to test audiences, but n- no, no suit was used in the yeah. final thing. Yeah. Instead, it was decided that computer animation would be the easiest and most efficient way to do this. And even if you think that this looks like early CGI for the Grim Reaper, because it is, mm-hmm. um, it still gives the Grim Reaper a very alien and weird look okay. compared to the rest of the yeah. setting. Yeah. The other ghosts are portrayed using, like, the standard 90s Hollywood ghost effect. Mm-hmm. So they, you know, they blend a little bit more easily, but the Grim Reaper is a full CGI character. Um, just a few notable cast. There's a huge cast of oh, characters. I, I saw Chi McBride on the back, and, you know, I'm a huge stan. Of course. Yeah. Um, pushing daisies. But obviously we have Michael J. Fox. Mm-hmm. A uh, favorite of yours. Favorite of mine. Yep, and and Grant's, presumably. Legend. I like him, too. Um, and originally, uh, it was, you know, this was going to be a low-budget film with unknown actors, but Z- Zemeckis actually suggested uh, casting Michael <laughs> J. Fox. We need a star. Yes. We need someone. Um, and, my, and once again, Michael J. Fox agreed after he saw Heavenly Creatures at the Toronto Film Festival mm. that year. Uh, we also have John Astin, who is Sean Astin's father, oh. uh, who plays uh, the judge, one of the friendly ghosts that uh, Bannister works with. <laughs> and apparently, based on his recommendation from having such a positive experience working with Jackson, that was part of what convinced Sean Astin ah. to join Lord of the Rings. Wow, a lot of connections, Dan. Another big horror great here is Jeffrey Combs. Mm-hmm. Uh, he plays Milton Dammers, not Milton... Uh, Ch- uh, what's the superintendent? Chalmers. Oh, I don't remember his name. From Simpsons. From the Simpsons. Yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is that his name? His real name? Superintendent Chalmers? What's Milton, then? Oh, Chalmers. Oh, the last no, name, sorry. Oh, no, Milton Dammers. Dammers, oh, sorry. Uh, he plays... <laughs> uh, Milton Dammers... Uh, Je- Jeffrey Combs plays Milton Dammers, an mm. eccentric FBI agent... Uh, who has a vendetta against Bannister. Uh, he is a former undercover agent who was had gained notoriety for working with cults previously, mm-hmm. um, but it has left him as a very weird and paranoid figure. Yeah, a, a podcast fan. 
Notably, uh, you know, it's he's been described on this character has been described online as Hitler meets Agent Mulder. Oh, and I would argue there's bits of like a JoJo villain in there because uh. you could I could see him existing in that reality. Um, but obviously, Jeffrey Combs has appeared in a lot of horror movies, a lot of like '80s B horror movies, most notably Reanimator. Mm. And his uh, his performance in Reanimator was what got Peter Jackson, you know, to cast him in this. Mm. Uh, we have D. Wallace Stone D. as Wallace. Pa- D. Yeah. Wallace. D. Wallace. Poltergeist D. Wallace. As Patricia Bat Bradley. Obviously, <laughs> we know uh, we know D. Wallace Stone as the quintessential '80s mom. She Horror played icon. the mom in every movie uh, in that era. Oh, now I'm more interested. <laughs> um, and in this movie, she gets to play a very sort of different character, mm-hmm. who is kind of like a a traumatized wallflower who is processing a lot of bad stuff from the past. Mm-hmm. So, not the usual 80s mom, but this was a not chance... Not typical 80s mom. This was a chance for D. Wallace Stone to kind of, you know, flex her acting chops. Uh, we got Jake Busey as Johnny Bartlett, a mass murderer insti- inspired by Charles Starkweather. Mm-hmm. Um, and he... I, I can't say anything without spoiling stuff, but he is a fittingly intimidating character. Okay. Jake Busey, whatever you want to say does this role pretty damn well, Mm. in my opinion. Uh, We also have um, Arlie Ermey, classic. He plays the military, uh, you know, drill sergeant in every movie ever, up until his uh, sad death recently. Mm. Um, But he plays uh, Hiles, which is the ghost of a master drill sergeant who kind of keeps the ghosts in the graveyard in line. Mm. And he does not like Bannister you know messing about with the taking students, a, yeah. them out and using yeah. them for his business um and there was someone your eyes were drawn to chi mcbride yes yes uh cyrus uh he is another one of the friendly ghost associates so you will probably see a lot of him in this movie mm. i believe um so why this movie i simply love it i adore it this is another mystery man for you it is yeah. um Hopefully this will impress you more. Well, I can't knock you for trying, Dan. You show Mm. me films I've never seen nor heard of before that I think you invent and you just magically get them made. I manifest them? Yeah, I think I... You know, it's part of me living in the Matrix. I think something up there is giving me these things on I, purpose. I was legitimately, because if you remember... Because I, I just wonder, do you feel the same about movies I bring? Like, have you seen them already? It's very metaphysical. Well, yes. Yeah. For yeah. the older ones, yes. Yeah. Uh, the ones that, that, you know, like House of Gooch that, that gained public notoriety yeah. recently, no. But yeah. the older ones, yeah. You've mm. brought you've brought things I've never heard of. Mm. Um, but I am very happy you have not seen this because I get to go in. You, you get to go in with fresh <laughs> eyes. A virgin, yes. And I get to, like, be the tour guide. I love doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just desperately want more people to see this movie. Yeah. Mm. Um, if our listeners... And our podcast will definitely do that. <laughs> I, I hope. We'll manifest. It'll have a re-release next week. That's that's all I can hope yeah. for, is just more people to check out this movie and see if they like it. Mm. Uh, I think the easiest recommendation would be to uh, recommend this to Beetlejuice fans. Ooh, I, I think if, Beetlejuice, yeah. if you're a fan of Beetlejuice, yeah. you will like, like what this movie, movie yeah. is going for. However, A lot of near misses that we could have had an interesting double feature with the cast, the crew, and the... Um, the uh, just the premise of this film, but certainly, but not not exactly. I chose other things, but some of those were on the list. So well, interesting. Two ships in the night. Yep. Yep. Um, but unlike Beetlejuice, this movie does kind of lean more into straight horror by the end. Mm. So 
not quite like Beetlejuice, but I think it's a similar vibe. Um, I've almost brought it to each of our previous Halloween episodes, which was why I was frantically checking our episode list last time Mm. to see, because I was like, did I... You didn't remember bringing this or not bringing this? Well, what I was worried about was if I had shown it to you after a Halloween episode at some point, like, you know, not for an episode, but no, you've never heard of this, so (laughs) my, my, the holes in my memory are, are okay for now. Um, but it was narrowly beaten by other choices, obviously, Blair Witch 2 and the like, Vampire Hunter D, which, Mm. no regrets there. No. Um, but this is like a formative Halloween (laughs) movie for me. Interesting. I saw this on TV when I was a youngin, Mm -hmm. and it was like a, just something about it was like a, like a life-changing thing. Like me with Clue. There, There is, especially the Grim Reaper in this movie, the way the character moves and everything. He has a very deliberate, weird, you know, movement to him. Mm-hmm. I still try to channel that when <laughs> I when I make certain villains and when I design certain characters, mm-hmm. flashes of this movie still come to me. So it is a it is it is an important movie to me. Mm-hmm. Um I can't make it important to everyone else, no. but I, I can at least try to sell it yeah. to other folks. Yeah. Um so any initial thoughts before we get into it. Well, I've never heard of it before. I'm interested in the premise to see if it's more horror or camp or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever it's supposed to be. I can't tell the genre just by looking at it. Mm-hmm. It's a little odd with the artwork, but I'm excited you're excited, Dan. As always, that's my my go-to. Well, as a note to that artwork, mm. um, if you Google this movie, you know, on its own, because I think what we're watching is like an anniversary Blu-ray release. Yeah, it's got both the director's cut and the theatrical version. The standard movie uh, like, the poster that came out when the movie was in theaters is, like, this iconic... It's, like, a solid white sheet with, a go- like, a ghostly face oh. pushing through it. Oh, no. I don't know why they didn't maintain that for <laughs> I all hope of that's the releases. Not too scary. <laughs> um, but that that would be the preferred poster artwork mm. for it. I think that one is just most to, to showcase the stars. Like, Congo, <laughs> back course, in the day. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm excited to get into it. Mm. I do hope you'll enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, and find it suitably spooky. Yeah. So without further ado, want to play some basketball? Well, I'd say I'm about ready to slide down the banister, but I think children are listening, so... (laughs) (sighs) Had to go and ruin it. Let's get to it, then. And we are back, having just viewed the 1996, in my opinion, classic, The Frighteners. Uh, Any initial thoughts there, Jonathan? Don't fear the Reaper, that's my only thought. And we'll get to a detailed discussion on why... It was a movie! Oh! (laughs) Sorry, I'm sorry to say, (laughs) it hasn't been one of the favorite things that we've watched on this podcast for me! But, no, uh, by there, all means. There is some effort put into some instances of this. It mm-hmm. just didn't gel well with me. I, yeah. it, that's perfectly reasonable. Yeah, I, I'm not yeah. going to be mean to it. Uh, by all means. Yeah. No, it, it, uh, it, 
you gotta like in my opinion approach it from the fact that this was like 1996 and, yeah. and, and young Dan Ryan and some of the effects are like they are obviously dated but at the time there was a lot going on mm. here I think over I think it amounted to like 400 effects shots and yeah. such yeah. um but that's not to say I don't think I'll get your goat with the other Halloween picks I have coming, but hmm. we'll see. Um, so uh, we start off uh, after the you know the titles come up with the haunting of D Wallace Stone. Yeah, uh, the harpsichord is playing in the background. Unlike the the TV mom we're familiar with, she is uh, you know fleeing through this house yeah. while something some phantom mm-hmm. is warping its way through the walls and floor grabbing at her. And I thought initially this was like part of uh, Frank's little deal first off with his spirit friends. I thought that's how it was going to open. Yeah, yeah. 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 It, it, like it, kind it, of a Ghostbusters situation, like a, a fake haunted house. No, no, of yeah. course. I do um, like the, like, the set design is very, I'm not going to say good. It's like, it's fitting for the movie. Yes. Yeah, there's a lot of like spooky houses. We get an asylum. We get a police station. We get a Kenworth's version of Medieval Times. And I, to that end, I do think that this would have been better set in like a New England town, like like a like a, or like a Pacific Northwest like type of creepy. Um, yeah, but at it, times, I mean, it, it's California. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Like it was definitely meant to be on a coast somewhere. Yeah, I can't ascertain as to which one but i did get the feeling that it was new england but then you're like no it's california but yeah. i could also see that too yeah canonically it's 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 a town called fairview california <laughs> um it's anything but fair but notably in this entire uh, d wallace stone incident she's playing a character named patricia bradley mm-hmm. uh she's fleeing from this phantasm yeah, as her, her mother cackles maniacally well her her, her grandmother uh emerges with a shotgun <laughs> and you know, shoots the spirit away, and is kind of like you know, you you want you've been dancing with the devil. Yeah, you've she seems to be talking spirits. to a spirit, saying like you know, she her virginal blood or whatever. Yeah, like yeah. you you don't come near her anymore, and we don't know what the context of that is until until later. Um, so uh, there is yet another you know funeral in this town of Fairview. We get some backstory exposition via like. Uh, these newspaper stuff. Yeah, Miss Reese Jones and Jimmy. <laughs> yes, over the main credits, uh, we learn that in this town of Fairview, in the past five years, more or less, there have been over 30 very unnatural deaths, mm-hmm. uh, in which people suddenly drop dead Death Note style, um, and it's ruled as a medical, you know, kind of uh, epidemic that's going on, because... There's no sign of injury. It's just the fact that there is some kind of heart problem that occurs, and then they drop dead. Yeah. Um, but uh, Miss Reese Jones, the the intrepid, iconic character, best character of the film, the intrepid lady who runs the the local paper mm-hmm. is you know dispatches a few of her reporters to go and look into this and try to you know go and interview some of the victims, their families. Mm-hmm. And you know, get a more human element on this. To that end, uh, the journalist and a photojournalist head to the funeral of one yeah. of the most recent. And they're victims. like, stop personifying death or seeing death as a person or something yeah. like that. Avoid Which, that language yeah. when you're writing this article. Uh, but at the funeral for this this unnamed recent victim, uh, we see Michael J. Fox emerge as Frank, Frank Bannister. Bannister. Yeah. Uh, and he is kind of skulking around the funeral, handing out his business cards, mm-hmm. uh, because he is a mob psycho 100-esque, uh, his psychic investigation business. Mm-hmm. Pays the bills. Um, and he only manages to get a few cards handed out before one <laughs> of the... kicked away. Yeah, the... the... I, I don't think this town would have let Frank live here. 
No. Yeah. I, I eventually, you know, the, the scheme would exhaust itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but, the, you know, one of the funeral goers recognizes him and, and, you know, throws him out. And he just kind of, like, flicks a bunch of his cards into the air yeah, and, and, and drives off. maniacally down the hill. In his very beat-up little yellow car. Or it's car. like, you could know, I could see him driving off a cliff, perhaps. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> With it, this reckless driving he's been doing. No, it definitely. And that's, you know, that's, I, I would say, little visual foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. He drives pretty crazily. He's, like, you know, cutting over curbs and down well, hills and such. He doesn't care about dying, I don't think. Because he, he knows the ins and outs of it now. Exactly. Um, and he ends up, you know, swerving around town until he crashes into the fence of the Linsky household. Yeah. Uh, and to be clear, uh, I think it was Ray. What is it? Ray and Lucy yeah. are the ones who live there. But the Linsky name is a reference to uh, an actress with the last name Linsky. Melanie Linsky. Yeah, who had been in uh, Beautiful Creatures or yeah. Heavenly Creatures. Yeah. Um, Currently so... in Yellow Jackets, quite making a comeback as of late. She's in everything. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Ever so... after, she's the good sister. So you know, Ray. <laughs> uh, Ray the. The husband of the household comes out and he kind of, you know, screams at Frank for destroying his fence and his gnomes. lawn gnomes. Yeah, my gnomes. Um, my bobo. Frank kind of attempts to give him his business card as well. You know, just give me a call. I'll pay you back for the damages. Uh, but Ray angrily rips the card up and Frank goes on his way. Yeah. Uh, later that day, uh, Lucy Linsky, uh, yeah. Ray's wife, is visiting the old Bradley house. For- an odd reason, because, like, her senior doctor can't make his medical trip there. Yes. Very weird, Dan. Like, the plot here, there's a lot of stretches to this plot. I know, yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot of holes. Um, well, even then, <laughs> it's kind of like, I'll get into why, I'll argue on Lucy's behalf on a few things coming up, but, uh, Lu- yeah, Lucy is subbing for, you know, the town's primary physician, mm-hmm. and she goes to visit the Bradley household to check in yeah. on Patricia. She sees Patricia is obviously startled, uh, commandeered by her mother with the Bram Stoker Dracula hair. Yes. Um, and been abused physically, mentally, everything. Yeah, and, and as far as Lucy can tell... Uh, Patricia is very much held captive in this house. Her mother is very domineering, will not let her leave or even go to the hospital to get the wound on her hand checked out. Mm -hmm. So... Well, she also says, like, you know, she's responsible for that murder. Yeah. Or that's what people say. Well, yeah, and it's it's a very, you know, in in opposition to how these things usually go in movies, the mother is like, no, 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 my daughter's guilty. (laughs) She did it. (laughs) You know, the tabloid said it was like young love and she was, you know, swept up in it, but nah, she's evil. And it was like an asylum massacre of like 13 people. Yes, Um, it was a, the, the, uh, let's see, I have the Bartlett killings Hmm. where uh, Johnny Bartlett, who was the orderly at this uh, hospital... Asylum, yeah. Went on a rampage and killed 13 people, beating the real-life serial killer. I think mm-hmm. it was uh, uh, Shearweather, sure, or Clearweather, by, yeah. like, one. Mm. Um, and according to, again, what the tabloids reported at the time, Patricia was a, his accomplice, mm-hmm. or accused of being his accomplice, uh, but was only recently released... Uh, about five years ago and remanded into the care of her mother. Yes. And the mother still lives in a house that is directly adjacent to the asylum. <laughs> Why? No Be- well, no, because her, her her husband, Patricia's father, was the administrator of mm. the asylum. Mm. And 
the, you know, the husband, the, the father died soon after this incident happened, but presumably the Bradleys were able to keep that house. Um, but, you know, Lucy leaves kind of shaken, and then this is where we get some exposition on the killings, because Lucy has a whole videotape of famous serial killers. She yeah. is obsessed with the macabre, true she's crime, obsessed yeah. with, like, yeah. you know, true, yeah, yeah, true crime. Yes. Proto-true crime stuff. Yes. And, but the, the Ray and Lucy's night is, uh, is disturbed when they are suddenly besieged by ghosts. They're in poltergeist, yeah. They, but like, fun little, oh, the bed's flying, the, oh. You know, the bed's levitating, lights are turning on and off, cabinets are getting ransacked. There's gotta be a reasonable explanation for everything, Dan. Um, but... Call Frank! <laughs> somehow, Frank's business card is once again in the house and it's completely intact. Yeah. Uh, so, you know... Lucy calls him in, Ray really doesn't want that, uh, but Frank arrives, you know, very promptly, almost like he was waiting for the call, mm -hmm. and he brings in what is more or less a converted toaster oven. Yeah, a video camera, a, a hand-held video camera and a toaster oven. And a little squirt gun filled with holy, holy water. water. Allegedly. And he, he yeah. plugs in the toaster oven that glows, and he's like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm doing a spiritual cleansing, you know, this will run you more or less equal to the cost of what your fence mm -hmm. cost, uh, you know, plus a hundred dollars, like, service charge. Mm. And Lucy seems very, you know, you know, is a believer <laughs> in this. Instantly. The chemistry didn't feel it at all between these two. I just think that Lucy was in a in a spot to very, you know... Yeah, she, she wasn't in a good relationship. Wasn't in a good relationship, and she was very much, you know in tune with spiritual stuff, so mm -hmm. she was willing and ready to believe what was going on mm -hmm. here. Um, even though, even if this specific occasion is is a fraud, uh, like, out of the toaster oven, Frank pulls these little packets, like, oh, these are the, the spiritual remnants, yeah. and they're like little space ice cream wrappers, mm -hmm. and he's like, oh, you want to keep them? Some people keep them. And they're like, no, I'll just, I'll put them down the garbage <laughs> disposal. It's fine. The ghosts can't feel it. Mm. Um... So then, you know, Frank leaves, Lucy is clearly, you know, again, very invested in what just happened, but Ray is, is, is pissed. Uh, but, as Frank is leaving, he notices that there are a glowing set of numbers mm -hmm. on Ray's, Ray's head. forehead. Yeah. Um, and originally, you know, no one else seems to notice this, but, you know, Frank is very taken aback. And we'll see why in a reason. Mm -hmm. uh, see, we'll see a reason why in a moment. Mm -hmm. Um... So Frank heads back to heads back to his place, which is a you know uh, half complete shell of a he's of a large in the past. house. He can't live in a house, bring yeah. himself to complete it. And he berates his ghostly companions, mm -hmm. who are let me just check their names. Yeah, because really I quick. didn't hear him. I know there's the judge. Yeah, yep. there's the judge. And there's fifties nerd. Yeah. And, yeah, okay, Cyrus is Chi McBride, mm -hmm. and then Stuart is the 50s nerd who is, you know... Mm -hmm. So they were, on Frank's orders, supposed to go into the house and do a wide variety of spooky things. They were supposed to lift the bed, slam the toilet seats down, and then rotate all of the kitchen furniture by, like, you know, mm -hmm. uh, 300, like 180 degrees or whatever. Mm -hmm. They did not, they, they, the two of them collectively could only really lift the bed, yeah. um, and Frank is pissed because when he pulls off this scam, he expects them to, you know, to do follow the, the rules, yeah. And he's especially annoyed, he's like, okay, which one of you carved the number into, or put the number on the guy's forehead, that's in really bad taste, I don't want to see that shit yeah. again. And the two ghosts have no idea what he's talking about, they did not 
um, do any such thing. Yeah. Uh, but this is this this the sense we get that this is his business. He sends his ghost buddies in seemingly on some kind of deal or bargain mm-hmm. because they're just souls that are or kind of stuck. they're just bored because the judge is like, I'm tired. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the ghosts in this movie are very much like Ghostbusters type ghosts. Yeah. There's like a, there's a very pseudoscientific thing where it's like they're the ectoplasmic remnants or echoes of a person that stays behind mm-hmm. and you can ascend into the afterlife, but in some cases, if you miss that opportunity, it only comes back at certain intervals to, to finally move on and become, like, a, a pure spirit mm-hmm. and such. Um, but Frank kind of, like, lives in this, uh, you know, obviously incomplete house, and he is surrounded by these ghosts. They just kind of hang out around him, and they, they make small talk. Yeah. He also has a ghost, ghost dog, dog. That we don't see. Again, Another complaint. Just in this scene. And I his, thought Ghost Dog was going to come back for sure. His uh, his main frightener, frightener-in-chief, is the judge, mm-hmm. who is an old western outlaw-type figure who is literally falling apart. Yeah. He, is a, he is almost skeletal, and as far as the judge explains, uh, this is because his spirit has been lingering too long mm-hmm. on this plane. He yeah. can't keep doing this forever. Yeah. Uh, and, and according to... What Frank says, you know, bits and pieces later on, this might be the fate of most ghosts that stay behind, mm-hmm. is that the ectoplasm starts to break down, and yeah. they eventually have no choice but to move on. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he argues with the judge, and the judge calls him out, like, you don't know anything about living, you don't know what life is, like, you're still sitting here being pissed off, and you have too many skeletons in your closet. Literally. Yeah, and we, we don't know what he's talking about. Quite yet, but I I love a few of the lines from the judge here. He's like, "Oh, frightening is a young man's game. Mm-hmm. Can't do it anymore." And death ain't no way to make a living. What about don't tell the other boys? My ectoplasm's all dried up. Yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, but but I, I, one of these lines should have been on the poster, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Frank moves on to his next haunting scam. A rich lady. Very rich lady. And three babies. Uh, and, and uh, you know, Cyrus and Stuart very, you know, nicely Yeah, they get say, baby consent. They tell the babies, okay, we're going to make you float around for a second to uh-huh. scare your mom. Don't worry, we're not going to do anything. And they make the babies fly around. Yeah. The mom freaks out and calls Frank Bannister. <laughs> but before Frank arrives, uh, as Cyrus and Stuart dejectedly point out, she had already read the morning's paper <laughs> about how Frank is going around town conning everyone so his yep. his scheme has been revealed to the public by miss reese jones by miss reese jones <laughs> and she made it front page news mm. uh so frank angrily confronts miss reese jones uh but she says that like you know this town is in the middle of some kind of health crisis and no one is going to benefit from you skulking around mm-hmm. making money off of them mm-hmm. uh, it's just not right to do and it's like uh and, and, and once again, alluding to the fact that he has something in his past where he should just stop drawing attention to himself. He shouldn't yeah. be running this business. He should just leave yeah. in all likelihood. So he leaves, sees Lucy in a funeral procession mm-hmm. on the way to the cemetery, bumps into Sir Peter Jackson. Yes, <laughs> who's dressed as a punk. Yeah. He's dressed as a cyberpunk in, in a Grim Reaper shirt. Yeah. And then sees the ghost of Ray running down the block. Yes, Ray has died. Who bumps into him and then I'm like... This ghost interacting with ghost materials and physical materials is very weird. Yeah. Because sometimes they can, sometimes they can't. Well, 
to be fair, that is consistent with other ghost portrayals. They, they, you know, sometimes they can touch things. Other times it takes like... So ghost bullets can kill real people or only ghosts? Only ghosts. Ghost bullets only affect ghosts. Interesting, Dad. Yeah. Um, But, well, (laughs) ghosts, if they absorb enough energy, could manifest and push things, you know... We gotta get into this. It's Halloween. Mm. There's no better time to discuss this, but that is, in other portrayals, a fact of ghosts. I don't know if I was buying it. Ask Booberry. I wasn't buying it, Gina. Nope, nope. Um, But, you know, Ray and Frank kind of, like, duck out into an alley to talk, and Ray says, I was just, you know, he was working out on an exercise machine, when all of a sudden it felt like his heart was being crushed. Grabbing my heart. And, you know, Frank who's very matter-of-factly, is like, you're dead. You're you, dead. You, you didn't take the corridor of light, which opens up every time you die. Yeah, so you gotta wait, like, a, a year. year. Um, okay. But, you like, this is it. You're, you're ectoplasm now. You're going to have to just chill here for a bit and yeah. kill time until you can move on again. Um, but Ray does kind of guilt Frank into giving him a ride to his funeral, uh, where, and again, it's like character building through the, the dialogue, like... The mourners at Ray's funeral, besides Lucy, who is, like, heartbroken in her own way, they're, like, very going through the motions. Like, one of his buddies is like, well, Ray, some might have called him an (laughs) An asshole, asshole. but, you know, I think he could be nice if he wanted to be, and then Ray is bawling his eyes out, like, that's true, I I could not be an asshole (laughs) if I wanted. Um, But, uh... This is also where we get introduced to the fact that generally the ghosts hang out at the graveyard, um, and they are kind of kept in line by Hiles, who is this drill sergeant played by R. Lee Ermey, Mm -hmm. or E. Lee Ermey, who really doesn't like Frank coming around and shanghaiing them into this this business of his. Uh, And he promises that if he ever encounters Frank's ghost, he's going to rip him a new asshole, Mm -hmm. because he really doesn't like what he's doing. Um, So, uh, at the funeral, Sheriff Walt kind of... (laughs) This bumbling, uh, fucking murder-she-wrote sheriff. Yes. Who, I don't... Uh... His his name wasn't in the main cast list, but he is in every 90s movie mm. this this guy yeah. you when you see him you will you will know who he is and mm-hmm. he is sheriff walt mm. uh and he's like you know uh it's the damnedest thing apparently he had like a number carved in, the, in his forehead <laughs> and like the fbi is looking into this because it oh. might be some kind of spree crime uh you know but but frank doesn't have anything to tell him really uh but lucy does notice frank as well and you know, after a little bit of prodding... This is Troy Evans as uh, the sheriff. Troy Evans, yes. Uh, Frank... Fear moving in Las Vegas, View from the Top, Teen Wolf, Ace Ventura. Yes. Yep. Yeah, Ace Ventura was the first, one of the first things I saw him in, probably. Uh, he plays uh, yeah, one of the Dolphin, Miami Dolphins staffers mm-hmm. there. Um, but, uh, you know, Ray conveys through Frank that he still loves Lucy, uh... I almost did the show name so many times. But this is when we cut to the Kenilworth Medieval Times restaurant, mm. Excalibur's, mm. in which it's a it's a themed dining establishment. Why is that there? I don't know. It, it's it's, it's the, popular with everyone. It's the biggest business in town, probably. Yeah, I guess. Judging by how Fairview They're is just renting is laid out, out these medieval times ish castles in California. All the waiters are dressed as knights. They got the Friars Fat Boy meals. I don't know the, about everything's this. there. Yeah. This town is very confusing. Um but 
at this dinner meeting, uh, Frank kind of acts as an intermediary between mm-hmm. Lucy and the ghost of He's Ray. He's doing his ghost whisperer job, yeah. And Lucy, instead of being extremely broken up, is like, okay, can you ask Ray what happened to <laughs> all of the money yeah. Yeah, in my bank account? And Ray, you know, admits that he lost all of it on a bad investment, which Frank just directly <laughs> reveals to Lucy because he's not playing this game. Um, so they, like... Well, Lucy's like, that's such like a Frank move. Frank storms off in a huff and is like, I can touch things, watch your back. I thought there was going to be some sort of revenge dynamic going on between them but there wasn't well ray does still hang out but he at that point he storms out but he knocks wine onto frank's lap so frank go to the bathroom to wash off his crotch heads into the bathroom at excalibur's and there he see a man go Ooh. <laughs> and like yeah he encounters a man with another number the next number in sequence carved into or glowing on his forehead uh so at this point you know the man's just using the urinal. Frank is walking around, like, staring at him, like, checking the floor, looking yeah. under the, you know, the stalls uh-huh. and stuff. Uh, when out from the bathroom mirror manifests the Grim Reaper. The Reaper. And... Whose design is fine. It's like a Sylvia Ganoush sheet blowing, yeah. blowing in the wind. He has, like, a fold-out scythe and everything. I like it. it it's I, fine. I just think it's neat. That's yeah. all. Yeah, all right. Um, but <laughs> the, the Grim Reaper emerges, crushes this man's heart, and he ascends to the next life. Yeah. Uh, obviously, in a very suspicious circumstance, Frank is, <laughs> is terrified and runs out of the bathroom and runs out of the restaurant because he's trying to pursue uh, this Grim Reaper type yeah. spirit whatever yeah. it is and we get a very brief chase um but frank is unable to catch the grim reaper yeah um so then we cut back to the sheriff's office where lucy is being you know the sheriff asked her to come in because she was with frank when the man died in the bathroom mm-hmm. and they're kind of trying to establish a timeline and that is when we are introduced to uh you know Agent Milton Danvers. Didn't like this character at all. Oh. Made no sense to me. Well, he doesn't. But it's, it reminds me of like a, of like a, like a Tim Burton type movie. Yeah. Where there's, it's like a community filled with weirdos. Like a Dr. Strangelove over here. Yeah. I don't I even think know how to describe it. It probably could have leaned a little bit more into that by like, you know, because even at the end, like the sheriff has aspirations of writing a book and leaving. Mm-hmm. Like you could have played up their characteristics a little bit more like why frank blends in here because it's like a community of people who have been Mm -hmm. you know affected by the past in the town and stuff like that but um at this point dammer's kind of uh he gives banister's real backstory which was that uh five years ago (laughs) Uh, Frank was an up-and-coming architect, very wealthy, and he was building the dream home of himself and his wife, Deborah. Debbie. Uh, <laughs> at, at one point, uh, Frank apparently uh, put asphalt over the space that was supposed to be Deborah's garden and Ooh, built, like, yeah. a little basketball Deborah court. Deborah was pissed. And Rightfully so. Frank and Deborah got into his car. Uh, he had been drinking extensively that day. Yeah. And he was known to have a toolbox with a little box cutter knife in it. We know Frank for his toolbox. Well, he was an architect and he was... Yeah, with his utility knife. But it was, it was like, like information the FBI had gathered because yeah. he had purchased a bunch of blades that day. And which is something that the FBI would look into. 
And, uh, you know, apparently while still arguing with his wife while driving, uh-huh. he veered off the road yep. and crashed. Uh, though strangely, uh, Deborah's body was found several feet away from the car yep. with a number carved into her yep. forehead. And that's why Frank can see dead things. He can. Because uh, he got in an accident and experienced death. Yes. If you have a traumatic event, mm-hmm. generally it will, you know, your psychic abilities will kick in in this, in this universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Frank notably was found, you know, I think a couple miles away in the woods, yeah. rambling and unable to remember anything of the event itself. Um, so, you know, uh, Frank reconvenes with his ghost goober friends, where the judge, who was a witness to the previous event, is kind of like, no, 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 you, you, you silly boys, that was the Grim Reaper. Like, death has come to Fairview, and he mm. is, for some reason, going on a bender and killing people. Yes. And, you know, Stuart, the nerd, is like, no, there's a clear explanation for this. The, it's a manifestation of the, the cultural fear of death. It's not anything, mm-hmm. and, and they're, they're arguing about it. But they quickly see another corridor of light yeah. beam down over the... A gala event or something. The, yeah, yeah, the, the museum. Fairview Museum, yeah. Yeah. where they're having a mummy exhibit. An Egyptian theme, yeah. One, uh, so, sarco- one sarcophagus, and that's it. <laughs> well, they had a lot. Because they had an onk. Yeah. Well, it was like yeah, it was like a Yu-Gi-Oh exhibit. It yeah. was it was the it was like a culturally insensitive mm-hmm. uh, Egyptian event. Yeah. yeah. So Frank heads over there, and immediately he notices that the reporter who was <laughs> following around the victims previously is the latest victim mm-hmm. and has just died and mm-hmm. ascended. Um, but Reese Jones, yeah. intrepid reporter, there at the scene. Yeah. Is next. She has another yeah. number. She's calling Frank out during this, like, you would be here, wouldn't you? And and Frank sees the number, he panics, and he's like, you're next, like, you gotta, you know, phrased indelicately. Yes. Everyone sees him say that, um, but he Is knows... a threat on my life? And he knows that he has to get Reese Jones out of there. Mm-hmm. Uh, his, you know, the, the cops arrive on the scene because of the previous death, and they are ready to apprehend Frank, uh because of the, the audible threats he's making, when his ghost friends arrive to create a diversion. They start uh, manipulating the, the, the mummies yeah. and knocking things over and oh freaking my. the cops out. Yeah. Uh, the judge gets distracted by a mummy he finds attractive. Mm. Um, he says he gets his ectoplasm back. Don't watch it with your grandma Yuck. or the kids, okay? Yeah. Yuck. Um, but uh, the they're creating all this chaos... And, uh, in the process, the Grim Reaper emerges, and he actually kills the judge. He physically destroys the spirit of the judge. Yeah, so, the judge is dead? The judge is... We don't see him in heaven later. Well, true, but, (laughs) yeah, but he wouldn't be hanging out with the other guys, I don't think. But he, Mm. his spirit is, is, is destroyed, and he's presumably sent on to the next plane, as far Mm. as we can tell. Um, so, uh... Bannister flees with an unconscious Reese Jones <laughs> well, in tow. Punches her in the face. Punches her in the face. Knocks her out. Uh, it's like, gotta go. And we get what is probably one of my favorite scenes where, yeah. uh, you know, Frank is driving his car, fleeing mm-hmm. with Reese Jones, mm-hmm. and the Grim Reaper is on top of the roof of the car. Trying and he to scythe his way in. Phases the scythe yeah. through the roof and then holds it against, like, Frank's neck while yeah. he's trying to drive. And Frank comes to the same turn where his wife met her end, once again veers off the road mm-hmm. and crashes. Uh, and at this point, you know, 
when he sees the the Grim Reaper once again, uh, because Reese Jones manages yeah, to emerge from the car. You're crazy, yeah. But the Grim Reaper emerges and kills her. Yeah. So wish she was around longer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Likable character. Um, but Frank then starts having flashes of what <laughs> happened the day his wife died, mm, and he starts yeah. getting the the sense that something similar happened to Deborah. Like he can see Deborah's face mm-hmm. in what is basically a recreation of of the her scene. death. Yeah. Um, so uh, you know, Frank willingly turns himself into the police, mm-hmm. uh, and we get a interrogation scene with Dammers. Uh, here, Dammers provides some insight into the fact that he has spent a lot of time around cult figures yes. and, you know, spiritually inclined people, but he ultimately still believes, you know, that Frank is a serial killer with a split personality. He says, yeah. like, I I know true freaks, I know true psychic power, mm-hmm. and you're just a crazy person who has gone on another Mm -hmm. killing spree. Like, it started the day that you killed Deborah, and it's continued ever since, in some fashion. Um, And Frank, at this point, is despondent. He he admits what happened and how he has the ability to see ghosts and everything, but that doesn't really phase Dammers at all. And Frank just starts breaking down because he's starting to question, did he actually kill Deborah somehow? Like, Mm -hmm. why is this repeating so much? And why is it people that he knows or gets close to that this happens to. Um, so uh, we all, we also get, like, it, it, it ends up not being very important, but Dammers is also walking around with a lead breastplate under his mm. clothes because he is that paranoid about a ghost or some other... A ghost bullet, yeah. ...paranormal thing, you know, trying to grab at him. Uh, yep. So he's prepared for that, apparently. Mm. Um so Lucy is also at the at the police station. Yeah, um, with her one conversation with Frank, she's ready to do anything to help him. Well, he know she notices that Frank is like you know, kind of resigning himself to being arrested and blamed for the murders, and she Frank just tells him tells her like, this was just my you job. You don't know me. You Maybe don't know me. Yeah. Maybe I am a bad person. Mm-hmm. Just get out of here. Go on with your life. At this point, Lucy decides to go and investigate <laughs> Frank's dream home, mm-hmm. as Ray's ghost is unknowingly following yeah. her around. She sees that he planted that beautiful garden for his wife, so he must have a soft soul. Yeah, he must have remorse. Yeah. He's probably not a serial killer, as far as Lucy can tell. Mm-hmm. Um, but then here's on her mess- his messaging machine, Patricia's mother is like, help us, Frank. Yeah, like, my daughter's communed with an evil spirit, yeah. like, I need you over here to do something about this. So Lucy, uh, instead of Frank, goes to see uh, Patricia. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patricia, you know, kind of sneaks her around the house and is very like, loudly I, screaming, yeah. like, "We can't wake mother." <laughs> well, mother was briefly out refilling the syrup bucket, yes, so she yes. di- she didn't hear. Mm-hmm. But the Patricia bucket, yeah. starts to give some of her backstory, like she shows um, some saved newspaper clippings about the the murders and everything. And Lucy insists, like, no, Patricia, you were a young girl who was manipulated by a a killer into doing the things you did. You Mm -hmm. are not evil. You have a chance for a fresh start. Um, And when they're in, uh, I believe it's, yeah, in Patricia's bedroom, she has been forced, according to Patricia, to keep her father's ashes. Ashes, yeah. Because it's like this... The, the fact that this crime spree was publicized and everything, the shame you brought upon the household, you killed your father 
with your antics, so you have to guard his ashes. Mm-hmm. So she's like, I gotta keep this this urn, and then she hides it away from Lucy's mm-hmm. sight. That's... I gotta show you newspaper clippings in Mother's room! And that, that they go into uh, the Mother's room, where, you know, the newspaper clipping stuff happens, uh, but Mother is returning. Yeah. Very, you know, obviously, obviously returning. Yeah. Stomping up the stairs. So, uh, Patricia hides Lucy in her mother's closet, mm. where... Lucy mm. finds... Fanny Bryce's pocket knife. Fanny Bryce's pocket knife. <laughs> FB. Facebook. Uh, what was the other name? Fran Buchanan? Fran Bu- Franny Buchanan is what Wife I Wife of Patrick took, yeah. Buchanan. Another one of my, you know, sobriquets. <laughs> <Franny laughs> Buchanan. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was your 1930s yeah, one. You know? Uh, she just flapped too hard and she had to go. Wonder of <laughs> she stage fell out and a window. <laughs> she tripped on a rug and fell out a window. Her candle burned out long ago, yeah. but the legend never did. Uh, so, you know... Lucy knows the backstory of the crime and yeah. takes this knife with her as And meanwhile, evidence. Ray's walking around outside trying to protect Lucy mm-hmm. and then sees that the house is a monster house. <laughs> it is monster. It's literally monster house. Yeah. Uh, because that's because the, the Grim Reaper is present there. That will someday come to the podcast, most definitely. It has to. Yeah. If you're talking about uh, fundamation, uh, fundamation, fundamental classics. <laughs> yeah. That and Paranorman. We gotta do Paranorman, too. I, I mean, I'm a Coraline girl, so. We, could, maybe we gotta we could, uh... do competing ones then, yeah. Almost definitely. Yeah. Almost definitely. Yeah. And then Corpse Bride has to be in there for me. Maybe Halloween in July, perhaps. <laughs> um, Why not? <laughs> but uh, when Ray tries to warn Lucy about what's going on, uh, the Grim Reaper destroys his spirit as well, quite literally crushing him and, like, pulling his essence out of his body. Yeah, sucking it out. <laughs> so then uh, Lucy, you know, rushes to the police station to visit Frank and tries to, like, get him to snap out of it because mm-hmm. they need to kind of solve... What is going on here? Yes. It's like, I found the your so-called knife at Patricia's house. <laughs> mm-hmm. Clearly, you were not the one who murdered your wife. You're not doing any of these other murders, so why are you taking the blame for it? And I would argue here that, that this is less about, like, instant love at first sight and more like... A passion for the supernatural. Yeah, like, Lucy is obsessed with killers, and she's trying to make sure that Frank doesn't, like... Mm. That, that they can solve this murder and bring some kind of justice to it. Because yeah. uh, otherwise, Frank is just going to take the blame for it and, you know, die in jail. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the Grim Reaper then attacks the prison cell because <laughs> Lucy has the next number on her forehead. Yeah. Uh, and the other ghosts, Stuart and Cyrus, intervene to yeah. kind of save Frank and Lucy, but they are both sadly destroyed in the process. Quite gruesomely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of gore. And they've been funny it's characters. Not like, it's otherwise. not like bad gore. It's like cartoony gore. But yeah, um, but they—it's it, kind of like Men in Black almost. Yeah. It reminds me of the gore. It does. Yeah, gore it, it did feel very Men in Blackish. Which is another fave of mine. So perhaps that's why the tastes align mm. the way mm. they do. Yeah. Um, so the, Frank and Lucy manage to escape, but Frank is like, uh, you know, the only way that I can fight this. Thing. I can't do it on this plane of existence, so I have to have an out-of-body experience in order to combat it, because yes. there's no other way to do yeah. it. Uh, mm-hmm. And Frank is, he's about to, like, shoot, shoot himself, himself in the head, but Lucy's like, wait, no, I can freeze you. <laughs> yeah, so so Lucy brings him back to, like, the, the, the lab. Ho- like, lab or hospital <laughs> that she works at. She gives him a sedative. With a mega freezer. With a mega freezer. And she's just going to give him the sedative, put him in the freezer. His heart rate will drop yeah. to a dangerous point. Yeah. He'll have the out-of-body experience. You'll die for 20 minutes, but I'll bring you back at 9 o'clock. So yeah, then she'll... That's fine. Yeah. yeah, 
I, I'd rely on you to do this for me I, if I ever had to. So. Yeah, I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to bring you back at nine, Dan. You're waiting for the <laughs> go to sleep. Waiting for the DoorDash guy to show up, and you lose track of time, and that's the that's the end of that. Just but, one more episode. <laughs> one more Mario do. Wonder level, and then I'll go revive yes. Dan uh, as my cells. Gotta are get all the coins, down. the hundred coins. Otherwise, you know. So uh, at this point, when uh, like as Lucy is prepping to revive uh, Frank, Dr- Drammers, Ugh, oh, Milton. Dammers yeah. shows up Milton. and is like, you know. He's convinced that Frank is the killer. I'm yes. just going to let him freeze to death in there, and I'm going to get more information out of, of you. you. So he takes, uh, you Patricia know, for no reason. Lucy, 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 sorry, prisoner. Lucy, across town three minutes <laughs> to the cemetery. To the cemetery, uh, and there's like lots of little other quirks here where he he doesn't like being yelled at by, by women. Woman. He sits on like an orthopedic donut. Yeah, it's like uh, he's he's comical he's a, for comical's sake, but yeah. I just don't know. His character irked me, so... He, like, he feels like he'd be a Jim Carrey character yes. in the 90s, yes. if, if anything. Yes. But Jeffrey Combs, in his own right, was in a lot of horror movies, so it's it does make sense. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Dammers brings uh, Lucy to the cemetery, because at this point, Dammers sees this as a culmination of all of his spiritual escapades. Well, his, like his body is a roadmap of suffering. Yeah, he has a lot of cult brands yeah. and tattoos on his body from the time he spent undercover, and he's like, I am going to, to you know, get what I want from you using my supernatural yeah, powers. Yeah, very Halloween. New Halloween. So he, he <laughs> thinks that he is, like, summoning energy to, to, to you know, grab yeah. her. But at this point, Frank has died and woken up as a ghost. Mm-hmm. And uh, just trying to get the Grim Reaper off of uh, yeah. Lucy. So he, yeah. Frank, as a ghost, is driving the squad car. He manages to escape with Lucy uh, while, uh, you know... Uh, Backing into a wall and knocking some skeletons away. Yes, and Dammers is kind of knocked out in the process of this escape, so he's temporarily taken out of it. Because doesn't, like, the sergeant wake up and take issue with him? Yeah, like, Frank goes, like, after Lucy is outside of the cemetery, Frank goes back in. uh, In one of, again, another, what is to me an iconic shot, Mm. Arlie Ermey's, you know sergeant is out shooting his ghost machine guns because previ- in a previous he's, scene he's ghost machine guns man he had morphed into multiple yeah, like forms body, but he's the only one well presumably they <laughs> they all can but well we never see it dan presumably we don't mm. but i should note one little extra trivia fact that uh i forgot to mention in the opening mm. but it does apply here when the movie was being planned out the you know you were going to have your standard ghosts you were going to have the grim reaper which was then you know being portrayed by it would either end up being a puppet a suit and they went with cgi there was going to be another character portrayed similarly to the grim reaper who was called uh the gatekeeper i mm. believe and it was going to be like a cherub gatekeeper i'm the key master <laughs> and i i would assume that that character was the one in charge of the cemetery. Like, he would be the one in charge of the ghosts, and then his presence or something... It would be more climactic when the Grim Reaper faced off with that character Mm. and defeated him, and maybe Frank would use that thing's weapon to stop the Grim Reaper. But the 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 creators ultimately said no we're going with a more science fiction-y Ghostbusters type thing we're not Mm -hmm. going to have an angelic presence in the film so we're just gonna make it the sarge yeah so uh frank takes 
the sergeant sergeant's uh, you know ghost machine guns because the the sergeant has been cut vertically in half yeah. by the Grim Reaper and start and just opens fire mm. and the Grim Reaper starts falling apart in blobs. This this cloak that it has on over it is collapsing and breaking apart, mm. and his goo face. <laughs> Liquid goo face. Liquid goo face. Probably falls. the best effect for me because it looks like goo. Yeah. yeah. It, no, it looks yeah. like a convincing physical like prop in that moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the face takes the shape of none other than Johnny Bartlett, the famous serial killer. Uh, and from what Bartlett tells us, he is back and he intends to keep ranking up, like a racking up a higher body count. Uh, he intends to. At this point, he's over forty. And he has a few more to go to kind of uh, lap serial killers who had appeared in the interim decades since his original rampage. Um, but he, that, like, that's why he's here. He yes. has somehow managed to come back uh, because he escaped from hell, a la a prison break. <laughs> yes. And he is now back to, to complete his work. Yeah. Uh, you know. So Frank is briefly distracted by. Johnny's other victims coming forward to kind of thank him for finally unmasking this killer, Mm -hmm. uh, including the doctor who was the 12th and final victim of the previous rampage. Uh, But in that moment, Johnny manages to ooze through the ground (laughs) into the crypts. Mm -hmm. Uh, Frank attempts to follow him. And almost strikes the finishing blow. Yeah, he he grabs his scythe and is about to deliver that final blow, but but then Lucy... back to reality. Yeah, Lucy... Here comes gravity. Resuscitates him. (laughs) Uh, to which I'm like, Dan, my Tostinos were done. <laughs> I'm sorry, I forgot. Jonathan, I'm frozen. Oh. I'm so dry. Yeah, I know you're cold, but come on. <laughs> Get over it, dude. Boo-hoo. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, so Frank needs a moment to kind of recover from his near freezing. <laughs> which, you know, Michael J. Fox is pulling out some Moody Tunes sound effects here. He's going like, <laughs> Yeah, he is, yeah. And I was but like, it, all right, yeah, I've never been frozen. Uh, but, I've had a heart of stone, but I've never been frozen. <laughs> but Frank tells, you know, Lucy that obviously there's a connection to the Bradleys here. She, he, she, Lucy needs to go to the Bradley house and get Patricia out of there because they're probably going to be oh, the next targets. This whole sequence. So then, uh, you know, they go back. To, Lucy goes back to the Bradley yeah. house. Um, and, and Patricia's just waiting in the hallway. Like, Patricia, we need to go. But mother... And Patricia, like, briefly leaves to talk to her mother upstairs. Lucy just chills downstairs, like, this is fine. Uh, Then Patricia comes back downstairs and is like, we just need... Acting a little strange. We just need a moment for (laughs) my mother to get ready. Acting like Jonathan in a weird day. You know, so that we can, you know, but then we'll definitely go, we'll go somewhere safe. Mm -hmm. And Johnny... Uh, manifests his uh. ghost without the Reaper costume appears, yeah. and is him and Patricia are very clearly lovey-dovey in a sick way with each yeah. other. Yeah. Uh, Patricia is like kind of addressing him, kind of addressing Lucy, yeah. and Johnny's like flirting with her, caressing it's her. It's like having a conversation with me, Dad. It is. Yeah. It is the... constantly fondled by the spirits over here. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, you know, Patricia is, yeah. is very suspicious. <laughs> Gotta get mother. Let me just get my coat outstretched arm. And it's like, <laughs> hmm. Uh, <laughs> you sure. Know, and Johnny wants 
uh, yeah. Lucy to be the next victim. Yeah. Uh, and they're kind you can of... killer. I'll watch. And the Busey family just constantly giving us their all. Yeah. yeah. Jake Busey is, is convincingly creepy in this. And I if will you say... Squint, it's almost scary. With, um... In terms of, like, the ghost designs, there's usually some echo of how they died. Mm. So for Johnny, you can see the burn marks from the oh, electric chair okay. on the top of his head, where, oh, the like, the sponge right. would go yeah, yeah. when the, the currents would were delivered. It gets green-miled, yeah. Um, and I think, like, Ray's ghost was, like, sweaty and crying uh-huh. at the time. Yeah. So it, 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 it all tracks with that. Um, so the, you know, Patricia is clearly evil also. Mm-hmm. And Frank is now manifesting again through physical objects. Oh, she's having a star turn. This is my favorite role in the film. It's yeah. Like, oh, I get to be a little crazy now. Dee Wallace Stone yeah. gets a shotgun and she starts that. going yeah. after Lucy. Yeah. Frank arrives and manages to kind of, like, forestall Johnny in ghost form a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, But eventually they arrive at Patricia's bedroom, where (laughs) Frank realizes that the urn is actually Johnny's ashes. We gotta get it to consecrated ground, not the cemetery. That'd make too much sense. We need a new set. Yeah, we... we... Well, we need a running distance set, is they, what I assume. They no, they do. Yeah. So they say that okay, the best thing to do would be to go into the uh, back into well, the. Well, she's asylum. like, there's a chapel there. I don't know where, but it's there. Well, it that was in the news reports. Mm. That was in the video that oh. she was watching at the beginning. Really like snipping me in the butt, huh? <laughs> yeah, because that was where um, Johnny killed people in that chapel. Mm during his rampage so it was referenced uh, like you know not even the you know the sanctity of a of a church was enough to stop yeah. him so yeah uh frank intends to bring the ashes back to that room because a, a sanctified space will automatically take any disembodied spirit back up yeah. there because in the process of trying to jump at lucy frank or johnny inadvertently jumped into his ash urn <laughs> which being his physical remains imprisons him briefly so they gotta bring the ashes to the chapel and then hopefully this will all be done Mm. uh but they run through the asylum as d wallace stone is tailing them with a shotgun good sequence good set Um, creepy bed and asylum but they and frank is seeing like flashbacks to the murders yes piecing together the mystery further yeah frank starts presumably because the spirits are trying to tell that story to him he starts Mm -hmm. seeing flashbacks that day uh like a doctor kind of antagonizes johnny for a second and johnny having planned this rampage finally just unveils his shotgun Mm -hmm. and starts taking people out um and we get more bits and pieces as we go along uh at one point uh lucy is kind of trapped in an elevator elevator. she hands the ashes off to frank Mm -hmm. and frank while hiding in his own space kind of sees that patricia Patricia, loving it she know she was not only was she loving it she was an active participant she was shotgunning people as well she was stabbing people and carving the numbers into their foreheads Mm. so she was not uh, an innocent bystander swept up in this um Eventually, Frank gets very close to the chapel with the ashes, but uh, Super Nintendo Chalmers stops him (laughs) and dumps the ashes out. Uh, Milton, you fool. Because he insists, like, no, you know, if there is any power here, you are ultimately still the killer, and Mm -hmm. I have to stop you somehow. Yes. So, Frank... uh, you know, kind of keeps Dahmer's attention on him for a second, just as Patricia emerges with a shotgun <laughs> yeah. 
And there's a half a stanchion hole in the floor. Which Frank purposely falls through, and then uh, Patricia shotguns Dammer's yeah. head off. I think yeah. you were looking down when this happened. No, I saw the blood and gore effect yeah, as his head exploded. His head like, exploded, uh, and he's instantly yeah. a ghost. Yeah. Um, I saw. I wasn't looking down. And that's the last we see of him for a bit. Yeah. Uh, but Frank, you know, falls through almost four floors of this insane asylum mm-hmm. and lands in, like, the basement kitchen yeah and like patricia's like "Ooh, i'm gonna change my mind i'm gonna go kill him instead yeah and after missing lucy with the shotgun the elevator works but it goes down lucy mm-hmm. greets frank on like the ground ground floor is like frank frank get up get up yeah but patricia's there as well yeah and patricia heads them off uh johnny <laughs> a lot of battery with a shotgun going on yeah yeah the ghost of johnny holds lucy down uh-huh. while patricia chokes uh frank to death mm-hmm. uh he you know turns into a spirit uh, and using a, I believe it's like a meat cleaver, or no, a, it's like a pickaxe. Yeah. Uh, Patricia is about to finish off Lucy yeah. at Frank's or at Johnny's urging, mm-hmm. but Frank emerges as a ghost and pulls them. Well, pulls Patricia into the light tunnel. Yeah, he pulls Patricia's spirit out yeah. of her body because he had seen Johnny doing it previously. Mm-hmm. Rips the spirit out of Patricia's body. You know, they they go together into the corridor of light, yeah. and he's like, you know, you want your girlfriend to come me. and get her. Yeah. So Johnny lunges after them, uh-huh. and they ascend out of the mortal realm. Yep. Uh, in the next world, <laughs> they are greeted in like a heavenly cloud-like place, mm-hmm. or Frank at least is greeted yeah. by Cyrus and Stuart, mm-hmm. who are now you know, restored to how they should be. They're dressed in more modern clothing, mm-hmm. and they are living happy existences yeah. yes, in in, in the next life and then they're like patricia and johnny like we're going back yeah, <laughs> there we'll ain't no stopping yeah. us now but in another very men in black yeah. scene Hellworms. <laughs> the Hellworms emerge the dune worms yeah. emerge the beetlejuice worm they ensnare them and drag yeah. them down into hell for oh, yeah. eternal That's torments i assume yeah. um and cyrus and Stuart are like well yeah it's like it's like a one-way ticket <laughs> down to hell yeah and uh, Frank is like, you know, I, I can stay here. I can be here and I can be with Deborah because Deborah has emerged from mm-hmm. the clouds here. Yeah. But they all say it's yeah. not your time yet. Yeah, go back. Be happy. You need to actually live mm-hmm. a little bit. You need to try to be happy with, you know, without I don't care Deborah. that you paved all of my beautiful garden with your fucking basketball court. Yeah, go yeah. back. Ultimately rectified it. Yeah. Uh, a little but- too late. <laughs> they send Frank back down, and he awakens uh, in Lucy's arms, and uh, they are both okay. They have both yeah. survived this, and presumably the massacre will now properly be pinned on Patricia because she was chasing them with a shotgun. Yep. Um, a few months later, they're drinking champagne as Frank's old abandoned house is being knocked down. Yeah, he's he's letting he's go of on. that. The sheriff emerges with a picnic basket and is like, room for one more. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he's like, you know, after all this crazy ghost stuff that happened. I'm going to write a book. <laughs> I found a stack of Ouija boards. No, in... you wouldn't catch me. I'd leave that state. No. Nope. Uh, he's like, you want to write a book about it? And Frank's like, nah, but maybe you can ask your new friend over there, you oh. know, to, to help out. And he's like, oh, you got me, Frank. I'll see you later. Love you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he drives off. And we see that Dahmer's spirit yeah. is, like, in the back of the squad car yeah. following the sheriff around. Um, and at this point, it's revealed that Lucy can now see ghosts as well because she had <laughs> a traumatic not? experience. Yeah. Yeah. And they kind of, you know, she plays, like, a little sheet ghost joke on him. Mm. 
and the movie happily ends with don't fear the reaper play. don't fear the reaper play. which i was gonna make ten thousand jokes that if this ends with don't fear the reaper but i was like that that's such a one-off why would they ever but it did yeah and my dreams came <laughs> my nightmares came to fruition i just think it's overplayed in these kind of movies and it's stephen king's property stephen king can play it in anything no one else well can. i think if it were to fit in any movie it would fit in the one that has the grim reaper as a recurring piece of imagery i but guess i guess that concludes the frighteners mm-hmm. by peter jackson final thoughts be be blunt as you wish i don't know it just didn't make a lot of sense to me it wasn't scary it was campy which I understand, that's where it's coming from. There were some standout characters, like um, uh, Patricia, I really liked. Mm-hmm. I didn't find the relationship on screen palpable in any way. Okay. Yeah, I didn't connect to that. Um, I thought the ghost should have done a lot more, or there mm-hmm. should have been more ghosts that interacted with our main character. I could agree with that. Yeah. Like, there was room for a lot more ghosts, yeah. especially with the, you know, maybe Frank goes through and tries to hire other ones, or there's discussions about that because the judge is retiring. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. There are a few plot holes for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like ghost abilities were never truly explained to us. Mm -hmm. Just instantly falling in love with this one guy. But I get that it's that type of movie, I guess. And I I don't know if I would consider it love until the end, maybe. It's a very non-serious movie. It is is a very, it's not... And after seeing that poster, which I looked up, I thought it would be a little bit more serious. Uh, Yeah, and it's... It is a very not serious movie. I think that there is a reason why this isn't as well known or as well loved maybe as like something like Beetlejuice or The yeah. Addams Family or yeah. other creepy but campy movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it might be because this movie sits on too much of a middle ground between that, which I will mm-hmm. fully admit to. Mm-hmm. But this happens to be the movie that I saw first, mm. uh, you know, so it has that place in my in my heart. Yeah. Um, but it's it certainly. It, it, it has, like, the beginnings of a creepy little... Something could happen, yeah. Like, the set design was great. Yeah. Danny Elfman's music was wonderful. Um, I don't know. It just felt like it wasn't consistent for me. This could get a musical treatment. No. Yeah. Yes. No. Yes. Um, but... <laughs> I won't allow that. <laughs> but no, I think that, that, that valid points, I think that it could be, like, the story could be tightened mm. and everything could kind of be you know, made more consistent and a little spookier. Yeah, when you remake this and I'm Patricia, then we'll talk. Yeah, it, yeah. It, but now it kind of, it does sit in, in more like a, this is like a psychic scammer movie instead of a full-blown mm-hmm. ghost movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it the, the tone really goes along with that. Um, but I still love this movie dearly. It, you know, yeah. it, it probably hit me at the right time. It, it was... <laughs> It, it didn't scare me at any point, mm-hmm. but no, it was always, I was always just in love with how some of the scenes looked and played out and everything. And I still yeah. do. And I, I guess that's a common theme for our Halloween movies, because mm-hmm. I also love mine coming up. Blair Witch, in different ways, yeah. Book of oh, Shadows well, Book got of Sha- torn to shreds. No, 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 I liked Book of Shadows. No, 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 yeah. by the public. Oh, yeah. By I, the general public. Yeah, this I, is not I been... liked Book of Shadows, too. Yeah. yeah. I, I love Book of Shadows, but... This, this is a very different story where mm. it's kind of sat in the cult classic status, similar to Mystery Men. Yes, um, it did feel very similar to Mystery Men. And it's it's not going to be the last thing that feels similar because I have other faves that have never gotten explored. Why? But, you know. <laughs> Why? You brought House of Gooch. Yeah, it's, I know. So, and I did. It's did. Dark Jonathan arc. I got to step up my game. I got to really big Dan suffer. I'm expecting, of... I'm expecting true evil to emerge, oh, you know. No. 
in the coming weeks. Yeah. Um, but you also have a scary tale of your own to bring next week first. I, I do, but before we tease, shall we tell our audience where they can find us on social media? Uh, yes, you can follow me at King underscore Dennis on Instagram, X, and Threads if you so choose. I have some artwork that I intend to get up very quickly. I literally intended to last week, but then my lamp broke. Oh. In the exciting life I lead. Never heard of a light bulb. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe then you'd be illuminating. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But, uh, so yeah, follow me there. And what about you, Jonathan? You can find me, Jonathan Kwiatkowski, at least in my mind, JK on X, Instagram. No, X is Drink and Read JK. And um, losing my mind, JK is uh, Instagram and TikTok. Mm-hmm. And you can check out my other podcasts, including Nightcaps of the Theater and Drink and Read the Podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, assuming that you're the master of scares now, yeah. uh, you know, you have something better than the Frighteners to bring, I assume? Oh, a thousand times better than the oh Frighteners. Oh, my. Uh, Give us a tease, maybe? Yeah, I will, I will. As I said, we're in the Dark Jonathan arc, and this is more of the origin of the Dark Jonathan story. This okay. is where it all began. And I'm going to give you a tease, and you're going to immediately get it. Mm-hmm. I know you are. All I'm going to say, Dan, is... They're all going to laugh at you. Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, My ectoplasm's dry enough. Well, (laughs) we'll see you then. Here at Anime Was Not a Mistake, we have one mission. Whether you be a magical girl, a giant fighting robot, a raccoon, or just a fan of podcast in general, we hope to one day arrive at a definitive answer to the following question. Is anime a mistake? While we obviously don't think so, there's no harm in expanding our weeb horizons now, is there? As of late, our humble little show is devoted to the analysis and discussion of movies, series, and episodes that show off that powerful art that is animation. However, none of this would be possible without listeners like you. If you like what you hear on Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and more, then why not support us on Instagram at Anime Was Not a Mistake Podcast or on Facebook at Anime Was Not a Mistake Pod. We promise to go happies on the sake with you. Join us, won't you? This time and the next. And with that, Dan and I leave you with a to be continued as the chill anime beats play. Sayonara. Sayonara.